Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James Pywell and this is the 92 Podcast. I'm on a quest to speak to one fan from each of the 92 football teams that make up the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two. Each episode, I shine the spotlight on a different club, talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode, our focus is on a team who were relegated from the Championship last season with aspirations to bounce straight back up again from League One. It's Hull City. And I didn't really watch much of that game because, (laughs) I mean, I was unbearable. I mean, I was there with quite a few um, members of family and a couple of friends and I was just watching through my fingers for the whole game. Me, Jamie Carragher and Ali McCoyst uh, all went for the lasagna. So, I mean, if I say I shared a lasagna with those two, I don't think you can really disagree with it because it was one giant lasagna. I would like to say that we're going to win the league, but like I said earlier, there's some great teams in there. So I think I would be happy if we could uh, if we could get second place and get up in those, those automatic spots. Now, I know a little bit about Hull being from Grimsby, but I don't know enough. Luckily, I've wrote my friend Connor into joining me on this episode, and hopefully he can enlighten me on what it's like to be a supporter of the Tigers. Hello, Connor. Welcome to the 92 Podcast. Hello. It's good to be here. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, FA Cup today, so not quite as scary as the league, but still hoping for a, a good result. So how long have you been a fan of Hull City? Um, a long time. I mean, I'm... I'm quite ashamed to, to admit that as a kid I was actually a, a Man United fan. I actually um, asked my <laughs> mum at one point if I could, well I haven't got a nickname which you'll know about me, and I asked my mum if I could have a nickname and if it could be Paul Scholes. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, so that was me as a kid um, and I think I was probably around maybe 12 years old and my mum used to, used to have a season ticket for Hull and go with my brother and I think my brother was um, as he got into he was five he's five years older than me so as he sort of started going out with his friends and things sometimes it it wasn't cool to go to the football with his mum so I started taking his place for a few games and then slowly just ended up having a massive love for Hull City and um, and from then I think after that season it was then me that, that got the tickets the season tickets and started going with my mum after that I think it was probably a good five or six years that I had a season ticket. Um, I then started working a lot of weekends and things as I got into work and had other commitments and things went obviously through university. I, I was in Lincoln, so couldn't get back for, for the games, which meant I, I didn't go as much, but then I always made sure I listened to the games on the radio and stayed in touch with it as well. So yeah, I would say I've been a, a fan for quite a long time, really. So you mentioned that you went to Lincoln for university. Were you a little bit like me where, obviously I support Grimsby Town, um, I went to Sunderland University and whilst I was there I watched a lot of Sunderland games. Did you watch any Lincoln games at all? I didn't, you know, it was something I always, um, it was one of those where me and my friends would always be like, oh, we'll, we'll go to the game this weekend, we'll, we'll go check out Lincoln because, I mean, a lot of my friends were football fans and, and obviously we're all missing going to the games of our home teams. Um, and it just never happened. It was a weird one, and, and I, I hate to say it now, looking at the <laughs> League One table. But at the time, it was almost like because we were in that stage, sort of back and forth from the Championship and the Premier League. At that time, Lincoln was almost below me, which is weird to say now um, when you look at the league table. And I would say Lincoln are definitely one of our um, the teams that we need to be beating this season. We need to get some some points against them because they're going really well. 
um, and they could be quite a challenging season and they could be beating us to, to an automatic spot. So, uh, yeah, it's quite embarrassing to think at the time. I thought the football, the level of football wouldn't be quite up to scratch, but now I think they're playing some really good football and, and in a few years there's no reason if they keep going the way they are why they couldn't end up having a, a decent season in the, in the Premier League potentially. To be fair, obviously being a Grimsby fan myself, I wouldn't want to go to any Lincoln City games either. So I don't blame you for not going, really. So um, going back to Hull City and games at the KCOM, have you been to many games there? Yeah, so um, I mean, my very first game was actually at Boothbury Park. Um, and I'm glad I got to experience that. I was I was very young at the time. I mean, I wouldn't like to, to guess at how old I was. But this was, so this was pre, um, obviously, season ticket time um but yeah there was it was one of the, the last games at Boothbury Park I went I can't remember the score or who we played um but I do remember it being a, a great atmosphere um like I said I probably had a, a season ticket for the KCOM at least five six seasons maybe so yeah I had some 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 good times obviously I mean it's a shame I, I don't get to go as often uh, in recent times but I mean at the same time I mean the last couple of times that I have been it's quite a shame to see that the the attendance isn't quite what it used to be. And I remember the seasons, a few seasons in the championship leading up to that first Premier League season, the atmosphere was incredible. We were we were maxing out the stadium every week, and, and obviously now I'm I'm not going to go into the politics of the club, but um, <laughs> just a few issues. Uh, the attendance has dropped a little bit, and it is a shame to see that. You said that you've been to maybe just one game at Boothbury Park, but. Like, what, how does that atmosphere compare to the much bigger stadium of the KCOM? I don't know if it's just because I was really small at the time, but um, <laughs> it felt like it felt like I was just surrounded by so many people. I mean, it, obviously, when you're a kid and you're in a busy area like that, it does it does feel like that. But it almost, from what I've got an image in my head of what it looked like, and um, from what I remember, um, I think also, I mean, it must have been standing at the time, if I remember correctly, um, which also I think, obviously now. Um, isn't something that that we do, um, and I, no. if, I, if I'm wrong, I don't know if it was standing at the time, but I, uh, that seems to be what I remember standing up a lot, unless it was just standing up at half time and having a burger or something. But like I say, I was quite young, but yeah, the the atmosphere I seem to remember being being fantastic, and even at such a young age, I think that was probably something that stayed with me. And and when the opportunity came to start going to the football with with my mum, obviously at the Kcom, I think it was probably a memory that. That made me think. Oh, yeah, actually, I would quite like to quite like to go back again and, and get involved with the club. So a much bigger stadium, of course, is Wembley, and I know you've been there a couple of times. What was that experience like? Oh, it was incredible. Um, it was when you first walk out into that stadium, especially obviously coming from. I think to be fair, the Kcom is is a nice stadium. It could it could be a lot worse, and and uh, I've been to a few few worse stadiums, but. I mean, it really hits you when you first walk into Wembley, and there's something about because we got there got there quite early, and there's something about an empty Wembley stadium as well. Obviously, when it's full, it's incredible, and the atmosphere is amazing. But when it's empty, it's almost more impressive because you just see the scale of it. Um, and oh, yeah, it was. I mean, to be honest, that so I've been to to Wembley twice. Uh, the first one was the first playoff final. Uh, which was obviously incredible, and I didn't really watch much of that game because, <laughs> I mean, I was unbearable. I mean, I was there with quite a few um, members of family and a couple of friends, and I was just watching through my fingers for the whole game. I mean, I saw, luckily, pulled my hand away to see that Windass volley, which uh, is something <laughs> that I will always, uh, always remember. Um, but <laughs> it's unfortunate that my, my Wembley experiences are just taken over by 
stress and anxiety <laughs> trying to uh, try to keep a lead up. I mean, the, after we went one nil up against Bristol City, after that I, I just couldn't watch it all. I think I was um, I was so scared because I mean, just I mean from my point of view, I think I was fifteen at the time. Um, obviously been going for a few years and it, it was a massive moment for me. But then I was I was sitting next to to my granddad who was eighty at the time. Um, yeah. He'd been going to, to see Hull City since he was 17 I believe um, I think it was I mean I don't know if uh, if this math works out but I think it was around <laughs> 1947 that he started going so you can imagine some of the, the stadiums that he'd been to he used to go home and away with with my mum so some of the stadiums he'll have seen some of the, the results uh, the rainy away days where we're getting beat by non-league sides and things like that and then he suddenly sat in Wembley Stadium I can't imagine what that feeling was like for him to see um, to see his club there, and I remember the these big inflatables that they put out at Wembley. You've probably seen them yourself if you've been yeah. where they drop down and the and the club crest is there. Um, and seeing uh, a Hull City badge that big is something I definitely uh, never experienced, and I'm sure he hadn't as well. So no, it was a uh, it was an amazing day. Yeah, Wembley really is one of those magical places that I think every football fan in England should at least get to experience at least once in their lifetime, especially in club football. I mean, myself, I've been, I think it's three times now with Grimsby, and mm. each time it's just as magic as it was the, the time before. So the first time um, was was Bristol City, which obviously we did win, and was argued, well, I mean, definitely the biggest moment in the club's history. The, the second one I went to was the FA Cup. Obviously, we were in the playoff final again. I wasn't at that game. But yeah, the, in the FA Cup was the other time. And it made it worse that we had such a good start. I mean, with the FA Cup, as I've just mentioned uh, at the start, it's something that, as a Hull fan, you never really think you've, you've got a chance. I tend to try and focus on the league and, and the Cups. It's, it's nice if you have a good run. With that season... It was, it, you start to believe, I think, when you have a good run, you start beating a few decent teams, you think, hang on, could this be our year? I got to Wembley Stadium and I sat down and I still thought we had no chance. You go 2-0 up and you think you've got a chance. <laughs> and that was the bit that killed me because you go 2-0 up and it's unbelievable, you, you beat an Arsenal 2-0 and you think, could we do it? And then you start to believe and then it slowly starts to turn around <laughs> and you get beat. Uh, that was a heartbreaking moment and a awful journey home the first one when you're coming home from on a, a coach ride that distance it's a lot easier when you've won but uh whether you when you're coming home after uh, going 2-0 up and then getting beaten in your first FA Cup final that was hard to take obviously I know a little bit about Hull obviously being from Grimsby myself but would you say that Hull's more of a rugby city obviously it's got two massive rugby teams it's a weird one really yeah because I think it definitely does take over sometimes and and I mean, I, I used to uh, to go to a few rugby matches myself and you can see the city's mad for it. Like The, the atmosphere at those, at those matches, especially the derby matches, is incredible. Um, so you could argue that that Hull is more of a, a rugby town. But I still think, I mean, the club's a big part of everyone's everyone's lives as well. And I think there's a lot of a lot of loyal supporters uh, around the city. Um, sometimes perhaps it does get a little bit overshadowed by the rugby teams just because of... I mean, it's very rare to have two sports teams that are so successful I suppose in in the same city and obviously you've you've got cities in um, in, in football where there's, there's a couple of teams obviously I mean Manchester you, you've got uh, a couple of decent teams there um, yeah. but often they tend to be quite spread out in terms of where they are in the in the league tables and everything and um, in the divisions so 
to have two top flight rugby teams, uh, it's bound to obviously um, mean that the city has got a, a massive love for rugby and you find that a lot of young people have to pick a side early on. Whether they get a choice or not, I'm not sure often. It's over the family support. If you're East Hull, you're Hull KR. If you're West, you're Hull FC. So early on, they've got to decide which rugby team they support. And with a lot of them, it stays with them. And then maybe that ends up being something that they're then into as they're older. But but I definitely think football is, is massively important to the area as well. You often find that a lot of people are into both rugby and football and they'll go to as many games uh, rugby as they can, but also go to the football when they can as well. So let's delve a little bit deeper into some of your own personal memories and any stories that you may have of Hull City. So who are some of the players that have pulled on a Hull City shirt that you absolutely adore? I mean, there's been a few over the years. I mean, going back to around 2002-2003, when around the time where I was going to, going to a few games, um, so this will have been, I mean... This was quite early on, so this was probably when I, I was going to, to the odd match and starting to, to get a love for the club. And you're looking at the likes of Stuart Green, uh, Stuart Elliott, some of the players that started to come through who were just really classy players, scoring a lot of goals, playing some really nice football. And I think around that time, around 2002, 03, 03, 04, is when we started to get these decent players and start taking it up to that next level. If you're thinking about, uh, like I said, the likes of Stuart Elliott, who, I mean, Hull always seem to have an issue with, with strikers. We can never seem to, uh, for, for a long while, we just couldn't put the ball in the net. And when someone like Stuart Elliott comes along, who's just banging them in game after game, and you know you've got a player who's going to put it in the net, that was a massive difference. And I think, if you notice, with um, around 2003, I think it was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, when we had a, a cracking season, we go up to League One, we had back-to-back promotion up to the Championship, and that's really, that team around 2002 or three is what started that, that long jump to the Premier League. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of important players around that time. I mean, Ian Ashby. What I mean, what a story! Like starting out in in the third division, and then ended up captain the team in the Premier League is a massive achievement. Um, and to, I mean, I don't know what you think, but for a player to be able to perform at all of those levels and never look out of place, I think that's that's incredible. As we started to advance through the leagues, I mean, you obviously have those players where. They come in and it's something you've never seen before. When, as a, a fan of, of the lower leagues, you've seen some good players, it takes a real special player to come in and you think, wow, like that is amazing. I think the first time, I mean, there's been some good players before this, but the, the championship season before we got promoted to, to the Premier League, when Fraser Campbell came in on loan from, from Man United, and he was just, you could see there was something about him that was going to help us get to that next level. And I mean, he scored some massive goals that season. I mean, the assist at Wembley, which was just... For, I mean, he was he was a young lad at the time. I think he must have only been 20 around that age. And to have the composure to just turn and find that perfect ball in for, for Dean Windass, that was incredible. And, I mean, we've we've had some great players around that time. as well. Richard Garcia, obviously Andy Dawson, who was just an absolute beast at left-back <laughs> and had a cracking free kick on him as well. Like, it was... I've always enjoyed having a player where you get a free kick in a dangerous position and you think, yeah, you might have it from it. And I think Andy Dawson was, was one of those as well. But yeah, there's, there's been some cracking players. Obviously, as we as we then got further, I'm thinking the likes of Abel Hernandez, who, again, scored some really, really important goals. Dean Windass, I mean, it goes without saying, has had a massive impact. I mean, obviously, originally, he uh, had a, a massive impact when he first started out. But then on his return as well, had some 
had some really important moments, some massive goals. I mean, obviously we've already mentioned one of them, which, like I said, I just about saw through my through my <laughs> fingers as it as it flew in. But I mean, you could see with that one as he was uh, as he was going up to it, you knew it was going in. It was just a case of then thinking, right, let's try and hold on to this uh, this one 0 victory. But but yeah, I mean, I could go on for for days naming players who <laughs> had a a big impact on the club. But I think those few I've mentioned there, and obviously, I mean, I've got to mention Giovanni because that was quite. Uh, <laughs> Our, uh, we've not very often do you have a player like that where they can just change a game in an instant because his obviously long in shoot was just incredible and some of the goals he scored. I mean, first game in the Premier League against Fulham, that strike was was unbelievable. Arsenal, I mean, I don't know if you remember that Arsenal goal that he that he scored. That was a good one. Um, which oh my God, what a goal! And I think we went on to win that game two uh, one if I remember with a, a, a late on Daniel Kuzan goal if I remember correctly uh, you'll have to check that for me but uh, but yeah we've had some been lucky enough to have some great players and I mean going to this current season looking at the likes of Kale Peake and Lewis Potter he's looking brilliant I mean he's really putting his all into it and, and doing what he can to um, to get those goals and, he, and he's doing it and hopefully he can continue to do it um, young Jacob Greaves who's just come in who's looking like a, like a quality player um, obviously Malik Wilkes is, is performing well so I think we've got some some real opportunity and the thing is as well a lot of the great players that are performing at the minute are, are really young so they've got a lot of time to to, to develop and, and perhaps become the next uh, Ian Ashby or someone who's going to stay with the club a long time and do a lot of good things. So you've mentioned a few players there um, who have maybe gone on to do better things. Um, two names that spring to mind instantly in my head. Obviously, I'm, I don't support Hull, <laughs> but I think the ones that people will be most familiar with are the likes of you know Andy Robertson and Harry Maguire, who are obviously playing for Liverpool and Manchester United now. Did you ever see them play? I did. Yeah, um, I was. I was lucky enough to one of the seasons in the Premier League to um, through work be involved with the club, and uh, so I was doing social media updates um, for, for every game. So um, I had a press pass for that whole season. So I, I got to, to watch Harry Maguire and, and Andy Robertson every game for uh, every home match in, in the full season. And, I mean, you could see the quality was there. The, the, the difficult thing is, well, I mean, outside of, of the big boys, if you're a fan of one of those clubs, as soon as you see a player start to perform, it's amazing yeah. to see that happening for your club. But there's always that worry that, they're going to go on to bigger things. But then, I mean, Harry Maguire was, was absolutely solid for us. I know he's, he's had his critics at, at United, <laughs> but um, but for us, he was he was unbelievable. You just you felt so safe when he was at the back. Andy Robertson, again, as soon as you see him, you think it's going to be something special. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see how well, well he's doing now. I mean, some of the achievements, that he's, things he's achieved are absolutely incredible. That season... I just remember stood outside uh, after the game. I think I was just um, waiting for a colleague, and Andy Robertson has just stood there on his phone. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where, at the time, you think nothing of it, and and then now with, with what he's achieved, just um, he just seemed really, really down to earth. He was chatting to fans, taking selfies and things. Um, and and from what you hear about him, about him now, I think he really is just a really, really down to earth guy as well. He's just um, got stuck in worked hard and I think he, he deserves to be where he is and hopefully it'll um and he'll continue to uh, to succeed. I mean it's gonna be a difficult season without uh Van Dyke alongside him, but we'll see uh we'll see how it goes. So you casually slipped into uh, that little anecdote there that you had a press pass at the KCON um, in that <laughs> season where they were in the Premier League. Any interesting stories from having a press pass? Well it's funny you should say that actually James <laughs> 
yeah, so there was there's some some really good moments uh, that season, especially um, obviously in the Premier League. You come across some of the games, correct? So I mean, I remember being sat in in the green room, so to say, I don't know if that's what it was called. I've stood there. Phil Neville walks in, which again, I mean, as a obviously a young United fan, just Phil Neville walking in and sort of um, I think. The thing is, with this crowd, they all sort of know each other. And I'm stood there in a bright orange jacket, <laughs> oversized. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, Phil Neville walks in and sort of half nods as if he, he's meant to know me and then realises, yeah, I don't know this guy, <laughs> uh, which was amazing. I mean, I, uh, I shared a lasagna with Jamie Carragher and Ali McCoist, which was quite a, a moment. Not on hang the on, same table. Yeah. I was going to say, you actually shared the same lasagna? So this is how I word it. You see, it's all in the wording. So yeah. there is, uh, I mean, obviously this was pre-COVID. There is a big share-sized <laughs> lasagna. So you you always got a, a drink and a meal before before each game. There's a giant a pot of lasagna and you'd go up and and say uh, what you wanted um, and it turned out that me, Jamie Carragher and Ali McCoist uh, all went for the lasagna so I mean if I say I shared a lasagna with those two I don't think you can really disagree with it because it was one giant lasagna it doesn't yeah, really matter truth, if it, it was on the same table or if we made eye contact or not <laughs> It was <laughs> we still shared the same lasagna and it's a moment that I'll remember I actually seem to remember that day I don't think Jamie Carragher was very happy because I think Liverpool had, had gone 1-0 down. I can't remember who was due. Um, so on a different day, I might have gone over and said something, but didn't look too happy, so I just left him to See, I, I obviously we're friends, so I know quite a few of your stories. Is it safe to say that having lasagna with Jamie Carragher and Ali McCoist isn't your claim to fame as a whole City fan? Uh, yeah, so obviously I work for a, a, local, a local radio station, um, and we once played in a, a charity match against Hull City Legends, which was obviously a, a massive moment for me. And it was it was funny because we, the, the team we played against, so Ian Ashby was meant to be playing in centre mid. I mean, it would, would have been nice to play on the same pitch as Ian Ashby, but I don't know if you've ever stood next to him. He is a giant of a man. <laughs> he is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. So, I mean, just standing next to him was uh, was terrifying, but playing against him would have been would have been something else so I'm sort of glad he didn't turn up but in that team was uh, was Dean Windass Nathan Doyle so funnily enough so I think one of my um, one of my greatest memories of of Hull was the um, the playoff semi-finals in the season that we did get promoted for the first time against Watford at home so I mean I think we it was 2-0 in the first leg I think we we won I believe Dean Windows scored in that game. Uh, I might be wrong. Again, you have to double check my uh, <laughs> my memory. But and then we went on to the home match against Watford. Watford get a really early goal, and it. I mean, you go into a game two 0 you're feeling a bit confident, as in the FA Cup final. We won't talk about that again, though. And <laughs> and you're thinking we've got we've got a good chance here. Early goal goes in. All of that goes out of the window. The hands above the face again, and I can't watch. Obviously, we we go on to win that game four one. And the relief was, was incredible. Nathan Doyle scored in that game. So, I obviously, these two playoff um, semi-final games are a massive memory for me as a fan. And now I'm going and I'm playing against Nathan Doyle. I'm playing against <laughs> Dean Windass. Um, Nathan Doyle, um, I, I don't know if he's, if he's still playing. I think he might, at the time, might have been a free transfer, but, but looking for a club. But he was still quality. I had a lot about him. Same with Dean Windass. Obviously, I didn't really come in, into contact with 
Dean Windass uh, that much because I was playing up front. But I'm happy, and I, I was captain in that game as well, which <laughs> made it even more special. And we won, and I got a goal as well. But some of the uh, some of the guys in the defence, I mean, obviously, uh, had not been playing for a while, but the brains, they had footballing brains, and, and they were still really smart. Kept catching me offside. I thought I've got no chance here, and then late on managed to get a half volley, which uh, found its way to the bottom corner. Um, and I think we were. Because they're they're doing a lot of these charity matches, and I think we were the first team to beat them in a while, uh, which was obviously a, a <laughs> massive, massive moment. And um, from going to seeing Dean Windass smash that volley in at Wembley against Bristol City to to playing against him was certainly an experience. I mean, I, I was at that game as well because um, we obviously work for the same local radio station. But the moment that you scored that goal, it was kind of. For me, watching it, it was slow motion. So what was it like for you to score that goal? Oh, the pressure. Honestly, it felt <laughs> like that ball took so long to get over to me. Because I had, I think with me, because I had such a... I didn't feel like I had a good game before that. But the guys at the back, like I said, kept um, catching me out without spiting me all the time. So I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and to be honest, I mean, I, I did the easy bit with that one. There was a, a young lad who was... Uh, who was playing an absolute blinder for us, um, putting a perfect ball for me, and all I had to do was uh, was a little. I mean, it, to be fair to me, to give me credit, it was it wasn't really close. It was maybe towards the the edge of the uh, of the box, and I just I knew I had to uh, I had to put it in, and luckily um, it just fell right, and the way I hit it sort of bent around the keeper into the far right bottom corner. Not that I remember the finer details of it or anything. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of pressure, but a massive relief when it went in. I've definitely heard that story numerous times <laughs> since. So let's um, now move on to our first mini game. Now this one's an interesting one because you've mentioned your your two trips to Wembley. But how well can you remember those two trips to Wembley? I'm going to give you a choice of either the 2008 playoff final or the 2014 FA Cup final. And you've just got to tell me the 11 players that started that game. So you get to choose which one you do it for. Oh, my God. I'm going to go for the the playoff final. You have to name all of the 11 players that started for Hull City. Right, okay. So we've got Fraser Campbell. Yes. And Dean Windass up front. Yep, correct. Um, We've got Andy Andy Dawson. Is Andy Dawson starting at left back? He was. Um, Sam Ricketts at right back. Um... We've got um, <laughs> Ma- uh, Mark Hughes, centre mid. Brian Hughes, Brian Hughes, <laughs> not Mark Hughes. Mark there we Hughes go, was... I gave you a little bit of time to correct yourself <laughs> there, yeah, Brian Hughes. Yeah. We've got Brian Hughes at centre mid. Um, who was he along- uh, alongside Ian Ashby? Yes. Oh, this so is... you've got your two centre-backs left, and you've got right mid and left mid, I think. I'm going to get slated for this with the centre-backs, but my mind's gone. It Was it Michael Turner? That was one of them, yeah. Michael Turner was one of them, and he will have been alongside... Oh, God. It wasn't Wayne Brown, was it? It was Wayne Brown, It was yeah. Wayne Brown. Oh, oh, it's all coming back now. Right, so who have we got left? <laughs> yeah, it's your right mid and your left mid, I think. Oh, why can I not remember this? Um, so, right mid... Do you know, as an attacking player, I'm always a massive fan, fan of, uh, of the wide midfielders as well, and I just, for the life of me, cannot remember who you was playing You are going to kick yourself. I am going to kick myself, because I know. So I'm going to go with Richard Garcia in yeah, right that's mid. that's right. Yeah. 
And in left mid... Come on, this one's obvious. You say that, but <laughs> my mind has just completely gone. Let's take you back to that day on the 24th of May 2008. Uh, in the 67th minute, this player went off and was replaced by Craig Fagan. Not that that probably helped. That didn't help. Oh, that was the worst clue I think I've ever seen. Because it wasn't a like-for-like -like substitution either. Oh. Do you need another clue? Yeah. He wore the number eight shirt. Oh, my God. This is so obvious, Gunner. You should be getting this. This is really bad. I'm, I'm really going to kick myself, but my mind is just gone. More clues. He was born in Hull. Nick Bambi. <laughs> oh, my God. How did I forget Nick? How could you forget Nick Bambi? Come on. <laughs> to be fair to me, yeah. so who was who else was on the bench that day? So you had Matt Duke, Nathan Doyle, Dean Marnie, Caleb Furlan and Craig Fagan. I'm really sorry, Nick. <laughs> That's disgusting. Call yourself a Hull City fan. <laughs> that is bad. Right, so moving on to this season then. Um, obviously, we mentioned it a little bit at the start, but after Hull's last league game, they found yourself in fourth position. Obviously, that's changed with some of the midweek games, but... What is the aspiration for Hull this season? Is it to bounce straight back up into the Championship? I mean, it needs to be, um, really. It's um, Obviously, I mean, last season, losing uh, Jared Bowen and uh, Camel was just, like, really made it difficult for us. Um, and it's always going to be tough after that. But I think we, we've definitely got, got what we need to get back up there. Um, and yeah. I think Grant has a, a clear... Um, sort of vision of, of what he wants and where he wants the club to be and, and where he wants to go with it so we have got what it takes obviously it's just it, like I said earlier on I think there's just a couple of uh, moments where we've made a couple of silly mistakes cost a couple of goals and cost us a few points and we just need to try and try and get that out of our system because I mean the first few games I mean it took us I think four or five games before we even conceded a goal to then um, go to conceding Considering goals again, losing games, um, and um, and dropping points, I think we just need to try and get a bit of consistency again. Um, and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. There's a lot of pressure on the team this season because they're expected to do so well. And I think that's what it is, and it's always going to be difficult. Obviously, the fact that there's no fans at the games as well is having an impact across all of the leagues in many different ways. Because obviously, in a way, there's um, I suppose there's less pressure. Because of that, because you've not got the fans on your back if you're making mistakes, but at the same time, you can get complacent because of that. And um, and so that's obviously playing a part in it as well. But but we've got what it takes. We've got we've got goals in the team, which, as I said before, is something that we can't take for granted because it's not something we've, we've always had. Um, but when you look at King Lewis Potter, who's scoring, Malik Wilkes, Adelukan has just come in, who's looking really good as well. McGuinness is, is definitely capable of, of getting the goals also so yeah I think I would be hoping for at least an automatic spot and um, I'm not saying we should be winning the league because there's some good teams in there obviously we mentioned Lincoln earlier who are really strong at the minute Peterborough coming good as well Ipswich have um, have had a, a decent run as well so I think it's not going to be easy I think anyone who thinks we'd just walk it it's obviously it's not going to be that easy um, but we, we've got everything we need to get uh, so I'm hoping that if we don't get an automatic spot, we'll have enough to, to get up through the playoffs. But I think in terms of um, what the club's ambition should be, I think, and, and definitely is, is to uh, to go up in those automatic places. 
Yeah, so looking um, away from the league at some of the other competitions that Hull are involved in, you're out of the Carabao Cup, you lost to West Ham quite heavily in the third round. FA Cup, um, as we're recording this, about an hour to go until kickoff where you're playing Fleetwood. And then in the EFL Trophy, you're currently bottom uh, of your group after only one game, granted. But is the league the priority or would it be quite good to go on a little cup run, especially in the FA Cup? No, I think, like we said earlier, it's, it's a tough one because I think our priority this season does need to be getting back to the Championship. But then at the same time, I think a good cup run is, is good for the fans. It's good for the, the players. It gives... Obviously, a lot of the uh, the players that maybe aren't making the starting eleven in the league a chance to to come through uh, and show what they can do, which is which can only be a good thing. And it is great if it ends up in a, in a cup final, uh, obviously at Wembley, which obviously that was different times. It might not be the same uh, the same on this occasion, but I think it's um, it, it's it's one of those where you, you do I think in in the situation that the club's in, um, league will need to be a priority. But there's no reason why. We couldn't end up having a hopefully a decent cup run in the FA Cup maybe and uh, and I think it it definitely helps to to build the morale of the team. Hopefully, if we can get a decent result against Fleetwood today, it's not going to be easy. The shoulders are in the league, but we can um, we can then go on to to start getting a string a few wins together and uh, and going from then hopefully end up uh, back at the top of the table. So thinking a little bit further ahead then. As a fan, where would you expect realistically Hull to be in the next, you know, five or six seasons? I think there's a lot of work to be done. Not only obviously on the pitch, but behind the yeah. scenes as well. I think there's a, f- a few things that need need sorting out before we can develop as a club and get to where we want to be. Obviously, I mean, every fan wants to see the team playing Premier League football. Whether that's realistic or not, the minute I don't know. I think we need to be looking at obviously getting back into the Championship, but. Obviously, if, if that does happen, I don't think getting straight back into the Premier League is going to be a, a priority. I think it's about building the base and um, and just, like I say, starting from, from behind the scenes uh, to on the pitch as well and just getting a strong team together and, and, and then looking at what the next steps might be to, to maybe get back playing Premier League football again. But I think, to be honest, as a fan, I think it's a lot easier watching in in, in League One in the Championship because obviously in the Premier League if, if you go up and you're not completely ready to be in the Premier League it can be a difficult watch and it can be when you go into the games or when you, you're watching from home it can be quite difficult if if you're not quite ready it can quickly be seen that you're not and um, and if you then end up with a, an awful season going straight back down again uh, money plays a big part in it as well but as a fan it's it's not it's not nice to see when you've got a team like, like for example, Leeds United, who, who have gone up and and you can tell they're being business and and they want to stay up and they're showing that on the pitch. Obviously, that's that, that's good to see. So I think we just need to make sure. Obviously, you're not you're going out there thinking, oh, no, we're not ready for the Premier League. We're going to lose this game." But uh, I think it needs to make sure you've you've built a good a good squad and and it, when it happens, it'll happen. Um, I think when. When we've been in the Premier League before, when we went up that first season, it, it wasn't something anyone expected. It just sort of fell right, and the, the right players, the right staff at the right time, and you just knew, like that season, you could just feel like there was something about the club and that that we were gonna do it. And obviously, I mean, it, it didn't end up being a, an automatic promotion, but then we got into the playoffs and and, and did the job. Um, and there was just, I think, when it's the right time, you know that it's the right time. And obviously, we've we've gone on from that point to have a, a good few seasons and I don't think I think every time we've we've 
been in the Premier League, we've um, we've battled well. I don't think we've ever done what some teams have done, where they've uh, just uh, come straight back down. Not to mention any names, but uh, <laughs> Dabby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I think we've done ourselves proud when we have been in the Premier League. But I think yeah, I don't think that's going to be something that we're, we're looking at straight away. But I don't think there's any reason why if we do bounce back up this season, have a, a couple of seasons in the Championship. Um, I don't think there's any reason why if, if the right players are brought in and we can get a bit of, of consistency in the team that we couldn't be uh, be challenging for, for a promotion to the Premier League again. OK, so if I had to press you for a, a definitive answer as to what league position you reckon Hull will finish in this season, what would you say? I'm going to go for second, I think. I would like to say that we're going to win the league, but like I said earlier, there's some great teams in there. So I think I would be happy if we could uh, if we could get second place and get up in those those automatic spots. So overall, being a Hull City fan, what makes Hull different to any other football team, do you reckon? I suppose it's probably the same with, with a lot of other teams as well, but for, from my point of view as a Hull fan, it's it's never easy, but then it sort of adds to the fun. We tend to not do things the easy way, we tend to go the hard way about it, but it, um, it definitely, uh, like I said, adds to the excitement when you're... Uh, Maybe conceding an early goal when you're not expecting to, or where you have a bad run of games, end up putting it together the last half of the season and getting a, a decent finish. I think you have a lot of uh, up and downs as a as a whole fan, like with any club. So finally, then Connor, for people that have never been to Hull before, what's the match day experience like for Hull? What what would you say is the ideal pre-match routine? Like I say, it's it's for me. I suppose I've not been to as many games recently, yeah. but basing it on 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 when I was going regularly, um, I think it, it, it's fantastic when you're walking up to. Um, I don't know if you've done it yourself when you're walking up to to the KCOM and you're going over over the what we call fan bridge where everyone walks over ahead of the game. I mean. Obviously, it's not something that's happening at the minute, but that feeling of walking across that bridge with all of the other fans and the anticipation for the game ahead is such a, an exciting feeling as you're approaching. You get a, a great view of uh, the stadium as you're walking up and the sound of all those footsteps stomping on the bridge as you're going across, getting ready for the game, I think is a, is a great feeling. The, the stadium is definitely has what it takes to create a, a great atmosphere. I've seen it myself, like I said, in that, in that season... Leading up to the the first season in Premier League, the atmosphere was was incredible, and I think it's obviously, like I say, I'm, I don't want to go too far into the politics of the club, but unfortunately at the minute, because of what's been going on behind the scenes, maybe the atmosphere, obviously pre-COVID, wasn't what it has been in the past, but it definitely has that potential, and I hope that once the club sort of um, sorts out the issues that that we've been having, um, it can get back to being that place where people go and, and, and there's, there's a great atmosphere at every game and hopefully it won't be too long before before that'll happen again. So in previous episodes um, we've had a lot of discussion about pies. Do Hull City have any specifically special pies? Do you know, I think a lot of football fans are going to be quite mad at me for this but oh, no. I, I love a pie but I've never been one to go for a pie at a football match. I always usually go for like a, a burger or occasionally a sausage roll <laughs> or okay. something like that I know it's bad I know as a football fan it's sort of like a, a rite of passage where you're meant to uh, to have your your, your pie um, but I, yeah it's not something that I've really ever had so I can't really comment on the pies at Hull I've, I've, I've watched them being eaten uh, I've not, <laughs> not seen any complaints but but yeah I can't actually I'm afraid judge that for myself we might have to once uh, 
fans are allowed back into stadiums, I might have to, to grab one and, and let you know about that if that's all right. Is there any other kind of food then that you would like to put forward as being the best thing that Hull's that Hull serves? It doesn't have to be. It could be like fish and chips or. I mean, you've obviously if if you're coming from outside of Hull, um, you've got to have a, a patty that's quite big in this in this area. Um, yes. And if you've not had one before, it's quite an experience. Uh, have you had a patty, James? I have. I had one at Hull Fair a couple of years ago, and it was my first ever like Hull patty, and I didn't really know what to expect because I didn't really know what it was. But yeah, it was, it was nice. It's um, it's, it, right. it's really good. Chip spice is obviously a very Hull thing. I didn't um, realise that was a specifically Hull thing because obviously sort of... being from Grimsby, it's kind of trickled its way into Grimsby, so it's always been something I've been aware of. But obviously, people elsewhere in the country might not even know what it is. Well, I mean, it, it sort of throws you off a bit because I suppose um, a lot of the chip spice that you get is American chip spice, so it doesn't strike yeah. you as a Hull thing. Um, <laughs> but I, I think. A lot of places, like when you go to uh, to takeaways and things in you know, other places, you don't really get it. Like in Hull, it's sort of like you get that with your chips. You don't really have a choice. It's like <laughs> you're having chip spice, just eat it. <laughs> but I mean, it is, it is good. So um, if you've never experienced chip spice on your chips before, um, it's worth doing that while you're in Hull. Uh, so get, get your chip spice on your chips, get your patty, and uh, and yeah, you're good to go. A whole patty with, and chips with chip spice on it is Connor's recommendation for if you're going to a Hull City match any time in the future. Well, thank you very much, Connor, for agreeing to come on the podcast and sharing some of your stories, including having lasagna with Jamie Carragher and Ali McCoy. <laughs> yeah, good luck for the rest of the season for Hull. Thank you very much. It's funny, actually, about Ali McCoy because he was on TV this morning. I actually told uh, my girlfriend that story, despite the fact that she's heard it about 50 times. But she just I was going to say, how many times has she heard it? <laughs> yeah, a lot, but but. Black so, I mean, every time she hears it, she acts like it's the first time. So it's like, oh my god, really? And then I'm, I'm like, yeah, no, she said it. But she's heard it so many times. But no, thank you for having me, James. Thanks again to Connor for talking to us, and of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to help me on my quest to speak to at least one fan from each of the clubs in the 92 and talk all about your club, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the92podcast, or you can email me at the92podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the 92 Podcast wherever it is that you've found this episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would really be nice if you could leave us a rating and even a review. Next time, I'll be ticking off another club in the 92. See you then.